you're aware, in the summertime, Pastor Carpenter takes some classes and has some time with our younger uh, members of the congregation. This gives him an opportunity to have some one-on-one -on -one time with them, and it also gives them an opportunity to see their pastor in a little bit different light. In the meantime, during our evening service, we have some guest speakers, some pastors, some evangelists, some lay people come in. And tonight we have a young man who grew up in this church. I remember Mike well, and in a positive way. Uh, Mike Mack, uh, that's Eric's son. His, life, his wife, Laura, is here. Mike went to college at Crown in Tennessee, and they now live in Kentucky. Mike? Welcome. Well, thank you. It's always good to be back home in New York for a short visit, and uh, it's always good to have an opportunity to come and to speak again here. Uh, so we'll get right into the message we have for tonight. Uh, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Jeremiah. Earlier, a few weeks ago, I was listening to a sermon, and he made a reference to Jeremiah and looked in a passage, and it got me thinking about some of the things that Jeremiah went through and some of the things that he wrote down for us today and some of the similarities that, honestly, we're facing in our own current events. And so it got me thinking, well, maybe I should go back and study the book a little bit more. And that's where this really comes from. It's more of a just a introduction to the book of Jeremiah, I mean, 52 chapters, so you can't do that justice in 15 minutes. But hopefully it'll kind of give you a, um, enough to go and study it on your own, and hopefully you'll get some good things out of it. So a little bit of background to Jeremiah. Um, typically he's called the weeping prophet because he had so much passion um, for his job and he had so much compassion on the people there in Judah that he was ministering to, and he loved them. Um, one reference with this would, would be Jeremiah 9, 1, where it talks about him crying. And he was even, when Jesus came and was ministering, people even compared him to Jeremiah because, like him, Jesus had compassion for the people he was working with, and so he would sometimes just cry publicly. And so they often wondered if he was similar to Jeremiah in that fashion. And his name means Jehovah points. And God had a plan for Jeremiah even before he was born, as we saw in the verses um, that we read earlier in Jeremiah chapter 1 and then in verse 4, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God had a plan for Jeremiah even before he was born. And it's amazing that God has a plan for each and every one of us, even from the time that we were born. And so that is one thing that always amazes me about the God that we serve, is that he is a very personal God. He likes to know us individually, and we can know him individually. He's not just interested in the mass, the crowd as a whole, but individually. And he speaks to us individually, and the Holy Spirit indwells us each individually. And he's very concerned about that, and he knows us even better than we know ourselves. And he'd called out Jeremiah even from that time. And 
not only did he call him, but he also said that he would go with him. He wasn't going to leave Jeremiah to this big task by himself. And uh, verse 6, we say, and Jeremiah kind of responds to this, and he says, Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. We kind of get the idea here that Jeremiah was rather young when God first called him to this. But God has a response to Jeremiah for this, and he says in verse 7, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, that shalt thou speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. God was going to go through Jerem God was going to go with Jeremiah wherever he sent him to do the ministry that he called him to do. He wasn't going to leave him alone. And so it is with us today. Before Jesus ascended back and he told his disciples, he goes, he said that, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. God never intended to leave us alone and out there. And so he goes with us. But not only that, God also gave Jeremiah the words that were going to be necessary for him to deliver. He said, verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. God wasn't going to send Jeremiah without the necessary tools and without the necessary message to reach the people that needed to be reached. And so it, uh, so it is with us today as well. In fact, we even have a better um, situation because we actually have the whole revelation of Scripture for us today. All the way from Genesis to Revelation, we have the whole message. Jeremiah had what God gave him as he went out there, but of course he also had the law as well. But we have the whole message. We have a much better picture that we can give people today concerning the Word of God. And then we see um, in, the ver in the very first verse of Jeremiah where Jeremiah was from. Uh, Jeremiah 1.1, 1, 1, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, the priests that were at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Jeremiah was actually from a family of priests, and God called him out from this. Uh, we don't know if he was even old enough to partake in the in priestly ministries, typically, that they would do. But God called him for this specific task to be his prophet at this time. As far as we understand, his ministry spanned, we know, at least 40 years. He was a minister there in Judah in the southern kingdom. Unfortunately, Jeremiah's message was never heeded, and there was not any reform under his ministry. Uh, Jeremiah faced a lot of difficulties as he ministered there in Judah, and there really wasn't much fruit for him. But, however, God used his message, recorded it, and we have it here today to study and to learn from. And so, unfortunately, Jeremiah, as far as, as best as we understand, unfortunately, Jeremiah even faced um, death due to his continued preaching that God had told him to do. So that's a little bit of background on Jeremiah, and so we're going to get into his ministry. Now, Jeremiah ministered under five different kings in the southern kingdom. And these were Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. And so the um, historical book that would go right along with this would be 2 Kings chapter 22 to 25. And this kind of lays, um, lays what's going on in the kings that are in power at that time all the way up until the captivity. And so Jeremiah's ministry could be described with two basic statements. One, he had a passion for God, and two, he had a compassion 
for the people he was ministering to. Um, if you'll uh, hold your place there in Jeremiah chapter 1, we will come back there. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, we kind of get see an idea here of his passion for God. And part of the issues that he faced were that the Babylonians were coming, and they knew it. And Judah thought that they were going to be able to escape like other times. But Jeremiah knew that God said that punishment was coming no matter what. They weren't going to be able to, to escape. And so for the most part, he got called someone an unpatriotic Jew, someone who didn't believe. And so here, he almost kind of gives up, but then he realizes he can't. So Jeremiah chapter 20, and then verse 8, the Bible says, For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because of the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me in a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. So he was getting so much pushback from this messages, he had thought about just giving up altogether. But then in verse 9 it says, But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. So even though there was part of Jeremiah that wanted to give up, there was also part of him that realized that he couldn't. He describes it as a fire in his bones that of the word that God gave him that he couldn't not give. He had to give the message no matter what happened. And then also we see a compassion for the people of Judah. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 4, we see this. And starting in verse 14, We see here, the Bible says, O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? And then if you uh, skip down to verse 18, Thy way and thy doings have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness, because it is bitter, because it reached unto thine heart. My bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace, because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. And he says, Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is spoiled. Suddenly there my tents are spoiled, and my curtains in a moment. And then verse 22, For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children. They have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. Jeremiah was pained to see Judah in the state that it became in, and he couldn't help himself. He had to give this message. He knew he had the truth that there would be to help them, but unfortunately Judah refused his message and ultimately God's message. And so just like in Jeremiah's time, we need today a passion for God and a compassion for people. And if we do, God can use that even in ways that we don't see or even understand. And then, moving on, Jeremiah served from approximately 626 to about 580 B.C. And during Je uh, Jeremiah's ministry in Judah, they, th they faced threats from Egypt and Assyria, then ultimately Babylon, as God used them to um, take captive the southern tribe of Judah. Jeremiah's main message was really to tell the people of their spiritual need. They had broken God's laws, they had gone away from him, and God sent Jeremiah to warn them of the coming judgment, but also 
to come back. And um, again, hold your place in Jeremiah chapter 1. But in Psalm chapter 9 and verse 17 says this. The Bible says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Judah had got to the point where they had really forgotten God. They had forsaken him. They had decided, turned to other idols. And really here, national rebellion equals national ruin. They had decided as an entire nation to forsake what God had given them, and they had decided to seek something else. And it was going to be their ruin. And then you'll find two themes throughout the book of Jeremiah. The first one is indictments, which is the formal charge of breaking the laws of God. Jeremiah was not one to pull punches when he was calling out the sins of Judah. If you read through some of his um, messages to there who were quite brutally honest, he didn't sugarcoat, any, sugarcoat anything when he brought it to him. And then second, restoration, um, I'm sorry, um, invitation, the pleading to come back to God. So Jeremiah would show them their sin, but then he would also show them that God was still willing to forgive them if they were willing to come back. And so judgment was coming in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 11. Uh, here, God gives Jeremiah two basically uh, pictures to show that, that, was, that judgment was coming. The Bible says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And then so the first picture that God shows him was an almond tree. And an almond tree over there blossoms and produces fruit quite quickly. So judgment is coming very quickly. And the second thing was a seething pot, which is facing north. In verse 14, then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north shall an evil break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. God was going to use the nation of Babylon to come and bring judgment to Judah for forsaking him. And it was going to come quite quickly. And so he had a ministry of warning. Judgment is coming, but restoration was also promised if they had only listened. In Jeremiah chapter 29, God reveals his plan to Jeremiah, and he reveals it to the people that this is not going to be a permanent thing. It's not going to be a permanent thing. Ultimately, God wanted restoration with his people, but his character demands judgment for sin. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me, and find me, and when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations, and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again to the place whence I cause you to be carried away captive." Part of Jeremiah's message was pleading with them to basically give up to the Babylonians. He goes, look, this will be a whole lot easier if you just give up. You go through your punishment that God is handing out, and then in 70 years, you can come back to the land. Restoration was already promised even before the punishment was dealt out, but they refused to listen. Fortunately, Judah took the hard path, 
and Babylon, and when Nebuchadnezzar came in with his Babylonian army, he wiped out Jerusalem and the temple. And so let's finish up in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. This is really the key verse to the book of Jeremiah. And it says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me at the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. And so the first is that they, for, they forsook the fountain of living waters. They had forgotten the God that had provided them, had provided everything for them. They had given them victories before in the past. They forsaken them. And the second evil is that they made their own substitute, practically. They hewed them out cisterns, but they were broken cisterns. They were useless. And so this was their best substitute, but it still didn't work. And really, this is the story of all humanity from the very beginning, even from the very Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. God had given them the entire garden to choose from except for one tree, but they ultimately refused that decision and went with the lesser substitute of that. And then here we see this decision again in Jeremiah, and again, the people of the children of Israel refused God and chose the lesser substitute. And so it is even in the New Testament. Let's turn to John chapter 4, and this is where we'll end tonight. John chapter 4. And here this is Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, and it kind of echoes what Jeremiah said about the children of Israel leaving the fountains of living water for broken cisterns. So John chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well of Samaria. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinking of the, drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. So here, Jesus really encapsulates this message to this woman at this well. He goes, if you come back to this, this well that a man dug, eventually you will be thirsty again. But if you drink of the water that I give you, He's talking spiritually here, of course, that she would never thirst again. And so the lesson, really, and obviously today, is that only Jesus can bring true fulfillment, contentment, and joy. But of course, this world is still looking for other cheaper substitutes, unfortunately. And we have the message to give them, and I hope that we can do our best to bring that message to them. Uh, Brother Gamet.